This is part two of our episode on courage. I'd make sure to listen to part one so you get the full discussion. We talked for about an hour, so I decided to split up these episodes. So if you've not listened to part one, please do that and then return here for part two. Thank you. Well, and another thing, Coach, that I think this type of living does is you're very conservative with your yeses. Because if, you know, what I teach people is that for every yes, there is a no that occurs in your life. So when you uh, offer to help this person or go do this type of function or volunteer for this, you have to count the cost. So what what is it going to cost you to go and do this? Well, what happens is a lot of people become so distracted with all the things that society ropes them into or ego because they don't want to make people mad if they say no, et cetera, that all of a sudden you don't have a marriage later or you don't have bills that can be paid because you've been so busy doing other things. And so for me, one of the things that helps me uh, stay on track is I, I tend to the gardens I want. I don't need to go into someone else's garden and tend theirs. Uh, if I, you know, and it's like people say, well, can you help us with this? No, I can't, but I know someone that can, but I am willing to do this little part here, you yeah, know? So exactly. I had to get over ego and learn that no is actually self-care. And, yes. and so you have to be really careful with that. And sometimes coach, I think people will escape warning signs you know, check engine signs, they will escape dealing with those by helping and doing everything else outside of that one thing they actually need to be putting their attention to. Sherry, again. (laughs) He's clapping. You can't see him. (laughs) Uh, You know, because, you know, what we are talking about is that you're always having to evaluate, Mm -hmm. right? And there is no such thing as escaping what we are required to do, right? right? Helping other people without attending to yourself first is not helping other people. You're actually getting in the way because I can, I can almost guarantee you hundred percent of the time when we afford, when we avoid doing our personal work and we go to somebody else to help them, we are now in that dual system of thinking, right? There we go in that binary way. Well, guess what? Let me go and help somebody else because I think they're worse off than I am. And, you know, and that's a huge mistake. And then when you get around that person, you know, the, the universe is tricky that way. You're going over there to help that person that you think is less than you. And the person that you're trying to help is looking at you and like, hey, look, your shit's not straight. That is jacked up. Like you're jacked up. That's remember how I always ask you, why are counselors crazy? You're the only counselor coach I've ever met. That's not crazy. You might have a touch of crazy, but it's good crazy. But these people that, you know, and you explained to me, you know, that they've had difficult things and out of their life story, they want to help others. But the problem is when you go to help others, you cannot stop your own self-development and growth because you're going to go back into those patterns and back into those fears and all of that stuff. And then the one that's supposed to be helping, like you said, the other person's like, man, I think you might need to make an appointment with me. I'm not as jacked up as I thought. Like if anything, they'll leave with money well spent realizing they're actually better off than they thought they were. Right. It is, you know, so, I mean, 
I realized this about myself. I, I remember one day I was sitting in front of a client that I was meeting for the first time. And I probably did something that they thought was really unusual. I said, look, so I like to get projections out of the way right up front. So I said, I opened up my arms and I closed my eyes. And I said, I just want you just to take a few moments and just go through your projections. So then we can get to work, right? Because this is who I am. I have no pretense. I'm not hiding anything from you. I'm not good. I'm not bad. I'm just this dude. And this is where I exist. But there is something in the in the therapeutic community that I don't like. And this is why you heard me say, I don't identify myself as a counselor. I'm licensed to perform the function of counseling and therapeutic works and stuff like that. But for me, no, I'm not identifying that with myself because when I look at some of these other people, I'm like, okay, look, let me just tell you this right now. You walk into the room and you're getting ready to talk to this woman about a personal life and you are 70 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. Your life is jacked up. So before you go in there and you sit down with that person and you start trying to tell them how to navigate their life, you need to be able to address why in the hell you're 70 pounds overweight and trying to tell somebody that you're happy. Get out of my face with that, right? I, I mean, I remember, I mean, you know, I don't want to go TMI, but I went to go see this guy one time about some, some, some situations with me because I was a bad boy at one point. <laughs> I was kind of bad, right? But anyway, so I go to see... You know, I was working as a dancer and some of that kind of stuff. That's all the hint I can give you. <laughs> but anyway, so I go to see this guy and they bring out this clinician to see me, this man. I, I said, now, an example I used was 70 pounds. This man was heavier than that. He was so big, his zipper had to be two feet long on his pants, right? I know his pants were specially made. Because he had to reach all the, please forgive me, dear listener. But what I'm saying is, when I looked at this guy, I was like, there is no way in the hell you can help me. Look at you. You haven't had a date since you were six years old. <laughs> I'm like looking at this guy, I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, look, man, you cannot identify with me. I had just won the state of New Mexico as a natural bodybuilder, right? So I knew what kind of body I was working with. I'm like, man, I bet you hadn't seen a guy look like me unless you looked in a magazine. And I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I had just won and I had an invitation to the world games, right? So I'm talking legit stuff here, but they bring this dude in and he's so big and I'm looking at him and I'm like, how are you going to relate to me about what I'm talking about? Because yeah. I'm looking at you and you're probably fantasizing about my situation. You're sick, man. You need to go take care of yourself. And so I have had other clinicians say, Greg, I think you might be a little bit harsh on that. I'm saying, look, no, I'm just willing to, I'm going to say this. If you put yourself in line to help someone else with anything, your life better have the evidence 
that you've done that work or you do not have the right to speak on that. I don't care what you know, because knowledge and experience are not the same thing. Well, that's where I wanted to go back to the map thing now. So that was a huge where truth confronts BS. <laughs> um, coach is not fat shaming at all. No, but, I'm not. But you're right, because if you go into the situation of where you said that, you know, you're going to go on a hunting trip, you're looking at a 2D map, but you really don't know what you will encounter until you're actually boots on the ground in the terrain, checking things out. Too many people are living by, I would say, book knowledge or soundbite knowledge or whatever, the latest blog knowledge and not actually implementing uh, where they have the experience that goes along with it. And so your life cannot be 2D. And it takes courage to actually get into these things and then have something of service to give to others. You have to live what you preach. It's like just, I mean, you know, if, if you if we if we're gonna be real today, coach, which you took it to like a way beyond real. So let me tell you something. I have a problem because you know, I'm in the uh, I'm a Christian. I'm around people that are Christians and it is very hard for me to take anything that uh, someone has to say that cannot control the amount of food they put in their mouth. I, I, I'm like, why are you telling me how to live and teach in scripture when you know one of the scriptures is also on gluttony? That's right. And it's considered uh, a sin, basically, you can put it right up with gossip, anger, and everything else, right? So it, right. it's like if you cannot control your food, why are you talking to me? And and so a lot of people are like, well, that's terrible. No, it's not because here's how I interpret your health. Taking care of yourself is demonstrating love and care for those that are around you. They're going to have to take care of you when you get you know uh, to an age where maybe you need a little bit of help or how you don't have any self-control. So I can't take you serious. So to me, it's a heart condition that shows a lack of discipline, or I would actually say coach a lack of desire that is beneficial because they're getting what they desire. That's right. But it's not necessarily beneficial to everybody else around you. And so, like we say, desire is a source of motivation. Desire is a source of discipline. So you cannot BS people around you, nor can you BS yourself and think that you're not getting what you want because you get it 100% of the time. You get 100% of the time, you get the results of your thinking. And if you structure your life so that you only have two avenues of thinking, you are going to be an unhappy and miserable person because that simply means that you are putting all your eggs in one basket, right? And then guess what? Something happens here and then you try to go to the other one, but guess what? That's not going to work because pressurized thinking does not produce great results. I, uh, oh, he froze up. We're doing this by Zoom. Oh, you froze up coach. So pressurized thinking will not produce the results that you are seeking. No, they don't. You know, because pressurized thinking is not the result of a person that is courageously sitting with the situation and thinking what's really happening. So let's just say, for instance, like a great business leader, right, understands 
that there really is no such thing as a perfect solution, right? right? So what they have to be able to do is that they have to consider the whole range of what is available, all of the complexities of what's going on before you make a decision. And when that decision is made, that decision is made based on the best possible outcomes, even though they know it's not perfected, but they know that in this situation, this is the best we can do. When you arrive at that situation, other people are going to benefit besides you, right? But when someone is taking a, the, a different approach, well, this is what we have to do. We're going to do this. Bam, you need to do this or else. Guess what happens? You, you uh, how can I say this? It's like you hold on to one decision or form of thinking at the expense of all the other ideas, right? Yeah. Shutting down your team because you think you know more than everyone else because you're in the position of leadership. But what's happening is you, you're in the position of profound ego. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And because of that, your thinking is cloudy. So you make a decision. It doesn't work. Now you don't know what, what to do. Because you put yourself in a trap, you just keep staying in that same trap, right? You keep making the same decision over and over and over again. You keep having your employee retention problems. You keep having interpersonal relationship problems. You keep having health problems. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You can just go on and on and on. Again, now, when I'm speaking, I use a lot of inclusive language because I know that if I try to make something just one way, then that doesn't work. Yeah. And so I know sometimes when I'm talking to people who may come from a binary approach or just an either or, they can have a hard time because they're, they're waiting for me to tell them one thing, right? But what I'm doing is I'm giving them an entire picture, but it's like, but I need just this one thing. And I'm saying, but it's not just that one thing. And then yeah. they're saying, well, I don't understand. It's like, no, you have the ability to understand, but you are attached to only one or two outcomes. And because your mind is fixated in that way of thinking, you don't know what to do with the other information because you cannot process it. Yeah. Coach, right. that's good. That's one of the, um, I call them emotional vanities, uh, vanities where you're over attached to a specific outcome. Uh, that's actually an ego centered uh, thinking process. And I, I think what I'd like to leave our listeners with is whenever you feel that pressure, whether it's external and then it begins to translate into your internal or if it's internal and it's starting to come out into your external, you have to stop. Don't make decisions out of a place of pressure. Uh, like we talked, I think the last podcast, maybe the one before, you need to shift things to where you can start thinking. And like you said, have that courage to examine the situation from all of its angles and then allow your heart to begin to speak. It will speak. It will tell you what is the best course of action. And um, I had this phrase that came into my mind when you were talking uh, courage is required to live life well. 
Because the only way you're going to ha- live a life that's well, both health-wise and emotional and mental and all of those things, is to have the courage to make the shifts you need, to have the courage to examine those situations. But most importantly, thing I think, Coach, <clears throat> is to have the courage to not succumb to the pressures of those in your life or society that are trying to make you live in a way that is either number one, binary, or number two, not who you are. That's really important because people will try to put who they are on you and make you into that person. So don't succumb to pressure, examine it, have the courage, research, don't live from a map, live from experience. Yeah, absolutely. You you know, because what is actual pressure and what is manufactured pressure? And this is what I mean. This is how we started. When you are bombarded with all of this information that you don't know what to do with, that's when that's when your courage beacon should come on. It's like, you know what? I need to go and check this out for myself right now, right? Because if I don't, I'm in trouble. <clears throat> I mean, and it applies to every industry, every way of life. And I just want to say this. If you want to access what we call the eternal things, the really, truly beautiful things in life, your mind has to be open because the world is much is much too big. The experience in life are just too great to be reduced down to either this or that, right? Yeah, I am. I used to make people mad because uh, I have found in a lot of times in Christian circles, it's a black or white. And I'm like, no, it's not always black or white. And that's why, you know, I I tell people this all the time. I follow presence, not just principles. So to me, you know, there's a very personal presence that I feel that goes with me. And it's like, okay, wherever I feel presence, that's where I need to be at. If I don't feel that, I just wait. But when it comes to decisions and things like that, sometimes it is a principle. It's the values that you have in place that are actually the answer that you need. So like when I was looking at um, when we first started my summary statement, I will use my abilities to coach and empower others. That empowering others is a core value. I don't ever like anybody to be disempowered. In fact, that's, uh, I got a high justice value and that will get me mad, like quick. Um, But then other statements to strategically solve problems. I mean, that's the strategy where you can't box in solutions, you know, with binary thinking, you have to think like they say outside of the box, how can I approach this problem from a totally different angle? But here's where my um, core values come in. My principles come in and that is bring joy with integrity, generosity, and wisdom. And so that that is a reflection. That simple one sentence is a reflection of who I am as a person, and so those things can help you as well respond to the pressure that you might be feeling, or that people might be putting on you, or even society in general with all the bad news. Because good news doesn't sell; bad news sells. And one other thought I had, Coach, and we might just make this a part two because I have no idea how long we've been talking. But you know, the the Lord of the Rings. So that's me and Kent's favorite movie. So every um, once in a while when he was growing up, we would have, uh, we called them moo and boo dates. And so okay. it was like all day we do whatever, you know, he wanted. And so usually Lord of the Rings was on the list. The problem wasn't the ring. 
the problem was the heart of the person who possessed it. That's right. You know, and so that's the thing. It's like, it's not the money that's the problem. I hear all the time, oh, money's the uh, root of evil. No, the love, the placement of money above all other loves is the root of all kinds of evil. And so, you know, it's not the money. The money's neutral. The ring was neutral. It was the heart condition of the person. And that's why it required someone who was able to have the courage to examine their heart on the fly. Exactly. And then make the different decisions that were necessary. Absolutely. I mean, I just think that that is so true. It's like if you don't have the courage to examine what's going on with you, you're in trouble. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that's um, that I find pretty unique, because now we have reached. We're moving through phases of life. Right. Yeah. So we've changed even since we started this work together. Right. We've both undergone different experiences since we actually started working together that have shaped our lives. Right. And so when you recognize that your life is changing, you have to kind of like look at it differently. So what do I see now? I see more people who are dying now because I'm older, they're older. They were older than me when I met them. Now, when I'm looking at them, they have a different message for me and it's heartbreaking. And they keep, and every time I hear it, it keeps teaching me, right? It's like, I get a phone call from a, from a, a good friend and client of mine. And it's like, when I get a message, it's like, are you still alive? Right? Yeah. But when I hear her story, and some of the stories of other people, they can no longer go back and undo the things that they allow to happen that have shaped their lives in such a way. And now they don't know what to do with it. And the guilt, the anger, and the inconsolation that they have at this stage of their lives is absolutely incredible. And this is where suicide is most prevalent. Yes. Right. It is. And I look at this and I keep thinking to myself, it's like, Greg, you always better know because you're living in the fourth quarter as it were, right? If you were to pass away from the planet right now, you could very easily be quote, put into a statistical category, right? And you die. And I thought, is that how I want my life to be lived, right? Yeah. Is my life being lived this way or do I want something else from it, right? And it's like, I want something else from my life, which means then I am never done. I can never be smart enough. I can never have enough wisdom, right? Yeah. Um, because without that, I'm going to make a mistake. And I would say, that the worst thing that can happen to a successful person, a highly intelligent person, is to realize at a critical moment that they've made a terrible mistake, a miscalculation in their life, in their approach, in their thinking, that they can now no longer go back and change. Yeah. Right? And when Um, you say that, 
like really suicide is the highest binary thinking that there is because here's yes. my, here's a thought. Now, obviously I'm not dying like this person is. And I think I would definitely be asking a lot of questions, but here's also the other side of it. It's like, okay, the days, the weeks, the months that you have, are you going to have them be consumed with regret and anger and all of that? Or are you going to make the pivot now? to find joy, even if it means looking out the window and seeing birds, you know, play or whatever it is. Like to me, you know, no, like you got to live in the future while also being present. Like I was telling my friend this morning, um, when my grandfather was alive, I knew if I did not spend time with him every week for several days a week, I would regret it once he passed away. So what did I do? I adjusted myself and my schedule to make sure I was there four to five times a week for about an hour. It was the best decision I ever made. Uh, and so now I have those cherished memories and it's like, I did what I wanted to do and I have no regrets on it. But, you know, with other situations, it's like, man, I wish I would have done that. Or I wish I would have done this. Now, what I've been training myself to do in recent weeks is whenever my mind goes down that thought, taking note of that lesson, how I will handle things in a different manner. Uh, hopefully with the cooperation of other people, sometimes people don't cooperate. So you just do the best you can, but mm -hmm. I then will pull up a memory that is comforting or a situation that is comforting. So just the very thing we're talking about, the individual that's now dying is actually making the same mistake. Yes, that's, it's true. They are making the same mistake. And and I can say that this person right here is a metaphor. I mean, one of my good friends right now, he is 78, I believe. Uh, we went to lunch uh, the other day. I went to pick him up. I said, yeah, let's go to lunch. And, uh, and I said, I'll drive. So he gets ready to climb into my Sequoia. And then I realized it's like, Jim, you, 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 you're struggling to get in the ride. Right. I mean, to get in, get his legs in and then close the door. Now, if I was an, an impatient person, I would have been like, damn, man, <laughs> is it going to take you 30 minutes to get in a ride or what? But instead, I watched him. So I watched him get in, took him about a minute and a half. Then to get out of the ride, we ate everything like this. And I'm listening to him talking to me. And it's like, he's got money. All right. Then we're getting ready to go. And he buys some things for his office staff, some coffees and stuff like that. I'm like, let me carry this for you. I get in the ride first. And then when he's getting ready to get in this time, now I'm giving him the second attention. Now I'm looking at him as coach, the guy that works in the physical body and all of that type of stuff gets in the ride, and I'm like, Jim, if you have that surgery, I will help you with your rehab. Mm -hmm. Crickets. Crickets. And then when he gave me a call the other day, hey, how the dogs are doing? It's like, still didn't want to address the issue. And so at that point, I knew it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to press it because I've already extended the good hand of fellowship. But what I did was I observed the, the fixed thinking 
that was manifesting in his body. And I, I saw all the pain in his body and it went right into my brain and it says, Greg, learn from what you are seeing right now. You better not ever allow yourself to get stuck in any at any level in your life because you never know if you, you allow that to happen when your last day is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm in the woods last weekend. I could have suffered tragedy. There were many times in that that trip I was on, I slipped and fell. I'm walking through um, uh, brush and environment. Some of the stuff taller than I am, and I'll send you a video so you can see some of that stuff is taller than I am. I couldn't see fallen trees that have have fallen to the ground with limbs sticking up. Right. Yeah. So let's. I could have slipped and fell and been impaled on some of that stuff, and nobody would have known. Right. But those things come to my mind as a way of saying, you know what? Your environment is always interacting with you. Yeah. And if you are not thinking in the right frame, you don't know what's coming at you. You don't know what you're hearing. You don't know what you're seeing. You don't know the next step you take, if it's going to be in the right place or not. And so it says, keep your mind open. Learn how to deal with complexities. Or as Carl Jung used to say, he developed a phrase called the tension of the opposites. Learning how to exist within the tension of the two poles or that binary form of thinking, sit with it. You're upset, you don't like something and you feel you need to make a move. Before you do, make sure you really know but make sure you are doing your personal internal work so that the next step, the next decision, the next words you speak, the next decision you make, it comes from a place of thoroughness, right? Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's good, coach. I think we need to uh, end on that. Uh, I wanted to just highlight that one of the things you said in before we started recording was, that when you observe things like with your friend, you know, have patience, have tolerance. But I also like how you brought out, you offered a hand to help and there was no acknowledgement. And that right there is a decision. It is. And I shut up. I That's shut what I do too. Yep. You know, and I felt it in my heart though, right? I did. I felt it in my heart. And then I thought, okay, um, I thought to myself, I love you. I send healing to you, but I recognize that you are the one that has to take action next. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's good. So on that listeners, you are the one that has to take action next. That's right. 